So here we are, November 30th. Thanksgiving is behind us in the rearview mirror, and I just have one question for you. How far along are you in your Christmas decorations? That's my question for you. It makes me wonder uh, if you've already got your tree up, if you've already got the lights up, if you were one of those people who just couldn't wait for Thanksgiving to be over so you could just bring all the decorations out and get it going. Or maybe there's some of you who are sheepishly kind of saying, uh, I had them up before Thanksgiving was actually here. They've already been up for a while. Maybe some of you have the rule in your house that it's not until Thanksgiving is done, then that Friday comes around and boom, the decorations come out. Maybe you have a rule saying once December first hits tomorrow, then the decorations can come up. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know what you do. Maybe, maybe you're a Clark Griswold and you go outside and you make sure every shingle on the roof has its own dedicated light to it, right? Or maybe, maybe you're someone who says, you know, utility costs are kind of crazy this year, so let's keep the, uh, the lights off and the decorations inside where it's a little warmer, a little cozier this time of year. Um, the, the point where I'm trying to get at is that this time of year, there is just uh, a funness to it. There is a giddiness to this time of year. I think this time of year, we romanticize it more than any other time of year. And it gives us this sense of nostalgia, I believe, more than any other time of year. Taking us back to when we were little kids. You know, for me, it's the Christmas tree. I have to have a real Christmas tree. It, there's just this sense of nostalgia. I've got so many pictures of me with the Christmas, and it's just got, I've still got my ornaments from all the way back when I was a kid, my very first ornament, everything, you know, I, I've got all those things. It, there's something about this time of year that makes us feel like big little kids. Uh, the decorations, we get giddy, we get excited, we're big little kids. The treats, the calorie-induced, sugar-filled treats <laughs> that are so good at this time of year that affect our waistline a little too much. Uh, yeah, those make us feel like a kid, don't they? Bring us back to those memories. Uh, maybe the, the holiday movies. Those make us feel like big little kids, right? We just always go and see those things. Um, maybe it's the uh, songs. Maybe you've already got your Christmas station on the car picked out or right there on Spotify and iTunes, whatever it is, and okay, in 24 hours. This time of year, it's just constantly going on. It's just, it's just your thing, and it's just your tradition. It's what you do, but it makes you feel like a big little kid. There's so much about this time of year that tells us that Christmas, it's for kids. It's okay to be a big little kid. It's all right to do that. And even I think of uh, Nat King Cole's song. This timeless Christmas classic that if I started singing, A, you wouldn't want to hear it, but B, you could probably sing along with it. And he's got this line in there dating all the way back from 1961 that he says, this time of year Christmas is for kids from ages 1 to 92, which always puzzled me. Why would he say kids ages 1 to 92? But I think you're probably a little smarter than I am. You, you get it, what he's saying. He's saying that it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter however old you are, you're a kid this time of year. Because Christmas is for kids. So it's okay to be a kid and enjoy all the festivities and, and everything else going on at this time of year. Christmas is for kids. Now, would it surprise you if I said that God would agree? 
not for the same reasons, not for the commercialization and all the gift giving and all that sorts of stuff, but, but because in order to receive Christmas, to properly receive Christmas, the gift of the Christ child in the manger, the grace and love and forgiveness of God this Christmas, you have to receive it like a child. It's not optional. You have to. It's the only way. In fact, that's exactly what, what Jesus says in our passage. Let me read it for you. It's in your scripture. Uh, it's in your worship folder, excuse me. Uh, so what Jesus says here is he says, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, does that sound a little bit counterintuitive at first? Like, Pastor, you're, you're always telling us to grow spiritually, right? You're telling us to grow up, to mature spiritually. And this kind of seems like we want to go backwards. Like, with all due respect and no offense to little children at all, but aren't little children a little, little immature? Aren't little children a little ungrateful, irresponsible, selfish, you know? Uh, so what, what is Jesus saying here? I want you to become like little children. And that's why it's really important to notice that Jesus doesn't say, I want you to become childish. But he says, I want you to become like little children. I mean, I'm sure you know uh, adults, uh, plenty of people, all of us could fall in that category of immature, irresponsible, selfish, ungrateful, right? We, we could all be childish at, at some point. So we have to ask the question, if Jesus is saying we need to become like little children, what is it that separates and distinguishes little children from adults? And this isn't an exhaustive list, but for the sake of our gathering tonight, um, I'll, I'll say it. There's two things that I believe Jesus is primarily getting at. That, that what it means to, when, to become a, a little child means that a little child is someone who is completely and utterly dependent, not independent, dependent on a guardian, on a parent, mom or dad, whatever it is. And I think the second thing is that little children have a blissful humility about them that adults often lack. We'll talk about that one a little bit later. Let's take the first one here. Children are absolutely dependent on parents. This is something your government knows very well. Some of you are getting to the age where you get to have jobs, and when you get to have a job, you get to do the one thing that every adult hates doing every year, right about at the new year. Here's what happens. Tax season comes around, and the IRS is saying, hey, you got to fill out your taxes, and they're going to ask you a question. And adults, you know this. The question they ask every single year, how many dependents are in your house. That is, how many people are in your house that are not independent? They are not able to take care of themselves. They're not able to feed, uh, get a job, or, or, or take care of the roof over their heads, the shelter, the food. How many dependents are you, do you have in your house? That's what the government understands it as, and that's, a, I think, a really good way to describe it. But children are not able to provide for their own food. They're not able to take care of their own shelter. They need you to get clothes and, and all the basic necessities for them. And in fact, when you think about it, in the family, where does the drama, where do the problems arise? Well, it arises when that dependent child 
rebels and wants to be independent, free from the tyranny of rules and parents and curfews and bedtimes and free from all of that stuff, right? No, I want to do life without mom and dad. I, I can do this by myself. I'm independent. I'm totally free. And this is something that happens every, every single time, probably for every kid, right? Every kid probably has this moment where they get so mad, so angry, so fed up, where they say what? Mom, dad, I'm going to run away. I'm going to run away. I remember this a couple times when I was a kid. Got so frustrated with mom and dad. Fine, I, I don't need you. I don't like you. And I'm going to run away. And there's something about thinking that if we just pack a couple bags of Cheetos, maybe a water and a thing of extra clothes and a knapsack, that we can just go ahead and do life on our own, right? I did this one time. We were in Walmart. I was so mad at my mom, whatever it was, who knows, that she zigged down an aisle and I zagged down another. And I was gone. Pew off. She was on one side of the Walmart, I was on the other side of the Walmart, and finally, I'm running away, and I'm good, and I can be free, and I'm in Walmart. I got everything I need to survive. I got food, I got clothes, I can get a tent, I got all this sorts of stuff, right? I, I'm good. And there's something that every kid realizes when they want to be independent. Reality sets in, they realize they, they no matter how badly they may want to be independent, they are totally dependent. Yeah, okay, I'm going down the Doritos aisle in Walmart. Great. How are you going to buy those little six, seven-year-old Kendall? You don't have any money. But what exactly are you going to do? Like, you can't, you can't stay here. Even if it was a 24-hour Walmart, you, you can't stay here. And, and what are you going to do? You're just going to walk out the, the magical doors and, and go where exactly? And, and, and no sooner did reality start to sing in, sink in, you hear the the speakers go off in Walmart. Kendall Cook, your party is waiting at the front of the store. Yeah, yeah that, that's what happened. Sheepishly hang my head, realize I am not independent, go back to my parents. And Jesus is saying right here, if you're going to receive Christmas, like the whole point of all this, if you're going to receive Christmas, if you're going to receive Christ, kingdom of God, you have to have an attitude, a posture, a heart that goes to God and says, I am absolutely and utterly dependent on you for everything. That I cannot rely on myself at all. I am not independent. In fact, the moment, the moment we come to God with a heart of, of independence, just like in a family, it causes so much trouble and it causes so many problems. And so I, I gotta ask you, where in your life are you trying to live independently from God? Like where in your life are you trying to do things without God? Is there some aspect, some area of your life that you know God's will, but you just don't care. Yeah, God, I, I know what you say. I hear you loud and clear. I'm just not going to do it. I know I, I, I should. I know what you say uh, is right and wrong, but, but I'm independent. And I'm going to make this call for myself. And I'm going to do this on myself because, because I want to live my life how I want to live my life. It's like a rebellious kid, right? 
And every time we do that, it causes so many problems. But hey, God's going to forgive me anyways. It's okay. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Those are pretty clear words. Those are pretty powerful words. And that's why he says, you got to change. You got to repent. You got to look at your heart and you got to say no. You got to come to God, prepare your heart for Christmas that relies totally on Christ that says, God, I have nothing and I am nothing without you. I completely and totally rely on you for everything. I'm absolutely dependent on you. Save me. That's, a, I think, the first thing that Jesus is talking about when he says we need to become like a child. But the second, maybe more to the point and maybe more to the receiving, how you and I receive the gift of Christmas, is that um, children, I mentioned it before, children have a humility that adults often lack. Uh, there is something unfortunate that happens when we get older. Uh, something that... Um, we just kind of have this pride and this ego that starts to get puffed up and inflated and we start to become aware of the way the world works and we start to slide into operating the way the world works. And I'm not exactly sure when we lose this or when we, we start to have this, this ego start to go off in our hearts. Um, it's before high school. And I think it's before junior high, before middle school, and maybe some of you parents, you know what I'm talking about when I start to describe it. Maybe it's even before sixth grade, before fifth grade. When your kids, when, when students, when, when children start to have this attitude of, yeah, I'm kind of too cool for that. You know, I'm too cool for that. Uh, that's, that's lame. That's no fun. And you start looking at other people, and you start saying, I'm not going to hang out with this person. What's popular? What's not? Who's good? Who's not? What do I want to do? And it's right that, that intangible, I don't think you can put an exact date on it, but that feeling, okay, that thing. Jesus is saying little children before that, okay? So before that ruins us, before all of us, right? Before we get that sense, think of a little child before they get that in their life. There is something so great about a little child that is not aware of that. There's something about a little child that has that sense of humility that adults lack. That they don't care about who's wealthy and who's not. They're not thinking, well, what can this person do for me? If I scratch their back, they'll scratch mine. They aren't thinking in those terms. But instead, that little child, they lack the dignity that adults have, and, and they're willing to just stoop down and do so many things. Like sometimes we measure it up as adults and say, well, that's beneath me. I don't want to do that, or, or, or that's something that... And kids, little children, they're just helping everybody. They're just doing it all. There's like this beautiful simplicity, this humility to it. They don't suffer the ego that we have. And that's what, what Jesus is saying here. You have to have a heart, an attitude like a little child. So the question is, does that describe your heart? Does that describe your attitude? And maybe better yet, how can you tell? Well, do you know why Jesus said these words in the first place? Uh, he says these words because his disciples right before this were having an argument, and the argument was, which one of us is the greatest? 
Which one of us is the best? Twelve grown men, twelve disciples, twelve students of Jesus, arguing like a couple teenagers before a pickup game of basketball about which one of them is the best. No offense, guys. <laughs> and I wonder what that argument might have looked like. You know, was it like, well, I was the first disciple. He called me first, so I must be clearly the greatest. And maybe another disciple lays down a credential. Well, well yeah, but he talks to me the most. You know, he's always talking to me. Jesus is always talking. I must be his favorite. I, I must be, like, the closest one to him. And another one says, well, he always talks to you the most because you mess up all the time, and you need the most attention, and he talks to me the least because I don't have any of those problems. And, and another disciple lays down, well, here's what I've done. And another disciple says, well, here's what I've got going for me. And they're laying down their credentials and all that. I don't know what the argument would have been like, but we don't need to know. Because this is something we struggle with every single day. Think of how, on a daily basis, how much you are constantly looking down your nose at someone else, are you constantly measuring yourself up to another person. If maybe it happens in the halls at school, oh, that person, just roll your eyes at them. Glad I'm not like them. Don't want to have anything to do with them. Lame. Maybe it's you find out about someone else. Wait a second. Wait a second. They did what in their life? They committed that? Whoa. Yikes, okay. At least I don't struggle with that sin. That person, the language they use, whew, glad I don't talk like that. And they live their life like that, whew, good thing I'm not like that. And what this does is it may seem harmless, but essentially this is our pride and our ego and our self-righteousness inflating itself in our hearts, and, and it might as well be us going to God and saying, God, I need you this Christmas. I need your love, I need your mercy, I need your grace, but at least I have some redeemable qualities, right? You know, at, least I, at least I haven't committed that sin. At least I'm not like that person. And you know, that, that thing, well, hey, I've never done that. Translation, God, I need your grace, but hey, at least there's a part of me that kind of deserves it. You know what a child-like heart is? A little child is someone who is on the bottom of the totem pole. They're the weakest. They're the most vulnerable. They have nothing to their name. They have no status. They've done nothing. They deserve nothing because they've done nothing. There's no merit. They don't deserve anything. And Jesus says, exactly. That's the point. That's what you need to be like. A little child who is able to receive something, I didn't do anything to get this, but they receive it so well and so joyfully, and he says, that's how your heart needs to be. That you need to go to God with nothing and say, God, I'm nothing, I have nothing, and the only thing I deserve is your punishment, is your wrath, I deserve nothing from you. And I'm completely reliant on you. That's humility, and Jesus says, that's a child, and that's the heart that you need to have to receive Christ, to receive the kingdom of God. Be a child. Because after all, isn't that how God's grace came into this world in the first place? You want to talk about greatness. 
there's Jesus, Son of God, second person of the Trinity, all the power, all the authority, all the titles, all the accolades. And he could have looked and said, they're beneath me, God. Father, they're beneath me. Look what they've done. They don't deserve this. But you know what he did? He set all of those accolades, all that power aside. And what did he do? He humbled himself and became what? A child. Entered this world as a little child. And if you thought that was humbling enough, he kept going. Humbled himself all the way to the point of going to the cross. For the world's sins he didn't commit. For your sins. Suffered God's wrath so much that God forsook his only child. So that he could call you his child. That's humility. Jesus became the lowest of all, and that's why he's the greatest of all. And he gives that grace to you freely. So this Christmas, 25 days away, as you prepare your hearts this Christmas, don't grow up. You know, whether you're one to 92, believe it or not, we have some people here older than that too, whatever it is. Be a kid. Be a child. That is, have a childlike heart. Not for the nostalgia, not for the commercialism, not for all the extra fluff this time of year, but have the heart of a child that totally depends on God's grace completely, utterly, and that is humble enough to say, I have nothing to you, God, nothing to give you. I need you entirely, and you will receive it. Christ, Emmanuel. Amen.